It was not supposed to happen. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, I thank you so much for the privilege of speaking your words today. I thank you for life, health, and strength for all of us, for the traveling mercies that you gave us to be in your house today. I thank you for those who are watching and who could not be here, Lord, but you are with them. Wherever we are, you are. And so I just thank you. Please give us your enlightenment today and continue your blessing upon our service and our worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture reading this morning is taken from John chapter 14, verse 1 through 3. And I will read in your hearing. It says, let not your heart be troubled. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. It was not supposed to happen. After creating a beautiful world with multi-species of animals, God said to his son Jesus in Genesis 1 verse 26, let us make man in our own image. And they did. Sin, suffering, and death were not supposed to happen. Man was made to live forever. When I think about that, I'm like, we were made to live forever. But death became an interruption. We can still live forever. Because death is just asleep, as the Bible says. And if we are faithful and we plan to see Jesus and go home to that place that he's preparing for us, we will have lived forever. We will have just taken a brief nap. When our creator breathed into a perfectly formed body, the breath was not borrowed. It was a forever gift. That one breath into Adam was only given once to last through generations and through eternity. The creator knew that the beauty of this earth, this brand new dwelling, would be enticing to the new residents, Adam and Eve, and perhaps they would be seduced by all its beauty. So he took Adam into the garden and directed him to a tree. Genesis 2, 15 through 17 says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. In verse 17, he gives the command, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. It was not supposed to happen that perfectly created beings would pick, eat, and regret eating the fruit, but it did happen. Jesus was the breath of all life. I'm sorry, just as the breath of all life came through Adam, so did sin, decay, and death. So when this original sin took place, every descendant of Adam and Eve experienced evil and death as their constant companion. But God made a way through his son, Jesus. 
not as a cure for sin through his blood, but as a redeemer from sin through God's everlasting love for mankind. It was not supposed to happen that the first expression of death was through homicide. One man killing another one, a jealous brother, Cain, depriving his sibling, Abel, of longevity. Man was to live forever, always perfect in his ways, never being marred with sin, never to be born impaired, but healthy and upright in all his or her ways. Never killing to eat, never smoking a cigarette, never doping up, never taking medications, never having pain, never crying, and never dying. It was not supposed to happen, but it did. After man chose to sin, in came redemption with a capital R in the person of Jesus Christ. John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17 says, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. It was not supposed to happen, but Jesus Christ himself, the creator and the redeemer, became sin for us. In the year 2020, we have had some challenges and some victories. Some of the challenges are these. Many have lost family, friends, and acquaintances to death. That is really sad. Some have died, I guess, days or weeks and still are not buried. It is so sad to hear families call and say, you know, my uncle died a month ago and he's still not in the ground. And it's really sad. Some have lost employment. Some have faced abandonment, homelessness, and poverty. Families have been compelled to develop new and varied lifestyles just to survive. Public health officials, first responders, hospital personnel, medical caregivers, and churches, yes, churches, have all found themselves, themselves in overwhelming encounters and trials. Yet there have been triumphs. Not all have gotten ill during COVID-19. Not all who were ill are still ill or have died. Not everyone who contracted the COVID virus passed away. Not all individuals are unemployed. Teleworkers, those working remotely from home or elsewhere, still have jobs. Delivery services, I think of Amazon because almost everything I purchase now is coming through Amazon and they deliver very timely and they're very courteous with their deliveries. So they have jobs. The United States Postal Service and news reporters are still solvent. Investors and investment companies are making a killing, as they say. Thousands are coming to Jesus and reading his word. Churches are still open with more attending via the internet than we could fit into our church buildings. The internet, which many thought belonged to Satan, has been hijacked by the spirit of God. 
and someone ought to say hallelujah. When the 2020 pandemic began, many of my social media Christian friends began posting, we need Jesus. And I wondered, how must this sound to those who never heard of Jesus or those who do not believe he exists? So I did not post those words. But this is true for all who want to be saved because John 14 verse 6 says, and actually it's Jesus being quoted, and he, Jesus said unto his disciple, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So it is true. We all need Jesus if we want to inherit that eternal life that has been promised to us. Some may say, I believe in God, but not in Jesus. Let me tell you that there will not be a reunion with God except going through the gateway with Jesus on your side. I implore you to seek now the kingdom of heaven by uniting first with Jesus. He's our sacrifice. He's our savior, our redeemer, and our friend. In Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. What end? The end of evil, sickness, sin, and death. I remember my mom used to read these scriptures to me when I was just a little girl, and I wondered, how can this gospel of the kingdom reach the whole world when in some places there's, there was no radio, no television, none of these um, media to get to those people who are maybe are in third world countries. I wondered about that. And then as I grew to get older, God has granted me longevity. I see now that everyone before Christ comes will receive the gospel and they will have a chance to accept Jesus as their savior. How beautiful that is. It was supposed to happen and it will. The end will come when Jesus returns, not to redeem us this time, but to transport us into a sinless existence with his father, God. It was supposed to happen and it will. Yes, Jesus is coming back again, not to redeem us, as I said, but to transport us into a sinless existence. Revelation 1 verse 7 is a prophecy and all prophecies come true. Revelation 1 verse 7 says, Behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all kindred of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. Everyone shall see Jesus, whether you're in the first resurrection with the righteous or the second with the wicked, everyone will see Jesus. Through Christ's sacrifice, we are forgiven. Through his death and resurrection, there is a do-over. And we can look forward to having a perfect body again, a perfect life again, and a life of happiness throughout all eternity. I'm looking forward to that. We will again be made whole and perfect to live forever with him. 
never tempted to sin again, never die, and never be responsible for another human being. We will live an unrestrained life of sinlessness, singleness, freedom, praise, and worship. Isn't that beautiful? It sounds beautiful to me. I don't know about you. Yes, it was not supposed to happen that the least of these should have the most of heaven. But it is a fact that the gates of heaven are open to whosoever will accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. God's message today is not for the dead, but for the living. So to you who are listening to this audio, I say the following. You did not ask to be an imperfect being. You did not commit the first sin, but you have the power to choose, to choose to follow Satan and his ways or Jesus, who is our righteousness. Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I have ever done. He takes care of all my problems and he has answered every prayer that I have prayed. He will say yes if it's within his will and for my benefit and for his glory. He will say no if it's not for my benefit and for his glory. There are literally hundreds of remarkable stories. I could tell you how Jesus has answered my prayers, but because of time and because I don't remember all of them, I have chosen one that I remember. And I'm going to actually take you back into the 20th century. It was in the late 1980s. I think it was 1988 or 1989. I know some of you weren't born, neither were your mothers, but that's when I was in my late 20s. And I was working for the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. And if you remember, it was a time when there was a lot of bank failures. And our job as the insure, the company that insured the banks was to travel into these different banks and help the personnel with the closing, uh, with the liquidation of, of the assets and so forth. And so I was a liquidation technician and we were detailed for three, three weeks and two weekends to the city of Chicago, Chicago, Illinois, my very first time there. And they did not authorize a rental car for us because the hotel in which we stayed was really close to the O'Hare airport. And we could take there a shuttle to the hotel. And not only that, the bank that we were liquidating was just a few chains away from where the hotel was. So they didn't want to waste a lot of government, government money. So that was fine with me because I, I love staying in. I'm not a person who went out and partied like my other team, you know, my teammates. And so the first weekend came and it was Sabbath. We lived in Florida, so I could not fly home. That was not authorized for the first weekend. And so there I was in the hotel on Sabbath morning and I wanted to go to church. You know, you could take the person out of the church, but you can't take the church out of the Christian. You could take the Christian out of the church, but you can't take the Christian out of the person. And so I am used to being in church on Sabbath morning. So I took the yellow pages. This was before smartphones and uh, probably before the internet got so busy and, and active and vital. 
I uh, got the yellow pages and I looked up three Adventist churches. I just looked up the numbers for, for all three. And I called the first two and no one answered. This is a Sabbath morning about 9.30, almost 10 o'clock. I just wanted to go to the 11 o'clock service. The third uh, call that I made at the third church, a lady did answer, thank the Lord. And she says, well, we don't have anyone who could come and get you. But if you find a way to get here to our church, we will make sure we give you lunch and we'll take you back to the hotel. Well, I hung up the phone and that was not an option for me. So I said, you know, why don't I just get dressed as if I'm going to church and I will go down to the hotel lobby and see if I can find someone who wants to hear about Jesus or go to the restaurant and maybe there's someone who wants to talk, you know, and I could be good company for them. As I got downstairs and was getting off the elevator, I saw a group, several people, individuals just walking into the hotel and they were headed toward a ballroom. So I went to the desk and I said to the um, concierge or one of the workers there, I said, uh, what's happening at the hotel this morning? And he said, have you ever heard of Ben Carson? And I said, well, uh, if he is the surgeon who separated the twins, the binder twins, then who hasn't heard of Ben Carson at that time? He says, well, he's speaking here today. And I said, really? He says, yeah, you want to go and hear him? I said, that would be a good idea, but I don't have t- I don't have a ticket. You know, I saw the folk had entry. <laughs> they had approval to be there. And he says, just follow me. And so he ushered me down to the very front of the auditorium and, and wanted me to sit. And I asked, could I sit in the second row instead of the first row? So I sat in the second row. And just because he was a church person, you know, I sat there, but I didn't think that we're going to have church. It was a lecture. And of course, as we began, as the meeting opened up, uh, he announced some hymns and the folks started singing hymns. And then I don't know if he read a scripture. I don't remember, but I remember that he prayed. And for me, that was an answer to prayer that I, I was so amazed that I could sit and be with like-minded people. I don't know who all the people were, if they were church people or whatever, but they wanted to hear him. I don't remember what the lecture was all about because when I went in with the attitude that, oh, this is going to be really boring, but God enlightened my spirit. He opened my heart to show me that when we we can't do uh, things on our own, he can do it for us. So instead of him allowing me to go to church, he brought church to me. After the uh, lecture was over, the the gentleman had told me, you know, you go talk with him and get his autograph. But my interest was not in the surgeon. My interest was in God. I was so happy with Jesus. I rushed back when everyone was rushing up front for autographs. I was rushing to the rear because I wanted to get to my hotel room and fall on my knees and thank God that he heard my prayer. He knew my heart and he answered my prayer. So that's one of the numerous stories that I have. I'm writing a third book. And in that book, it will have a lot more stories of answered prayer. I just love the Lord. He's the best friend that I've ever, ever had. So that was my one story I wanted to share with you. And I had it written down, but I didn't need to read it. 
So back in the hotel, not only did I pray, but the Holy Spirit reminded me of Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 through 13. I'm going to read it for you. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Verse 13 says, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. I know that I'm talking to people here who have experienced some of these and even greater glories that God has done in your life. And you can appreciate and love him more every day of your life. He will hear you when you pray. He will wash your sins away and he will turn your night today. Jesus' torture, crucifixion, and resurrection were supposed to happen because of his love for us. And through Christ, eternal life is promised. Sin has made death inevitable, but grace and mercy have made it negotiable. There are only two answers to prayers, as I've said before. One is yes. I do not believe God will answer yes to any request that goes against his will. The other answer to prayer is no. I believe God answers no when this is for our good and his glory. We really do not know why God answers as he does, just as we do not understand why he loves us as he has. But all things are for our good. We may not comprehend it right now, but we will understand it better by and by. Jesus is coming again to fully rescue us from this world of sin. And in closing, I just want you to know that this was supposed to happen. The sacrifice of Christ for eternal life of man, Jesus being an incarnate savior, his living and exemplary life, his rejection by the Jews, his suffering, crucifixion, and death, his resurrection, his judgment, and his coming again, all were supposed to happen. These occurrences all happened so that sinful man could have eternal life. We were not supposed to die, but the end of our mortality at death is called a sleep, from which we will awaken to live eternally with Christ or to experience eternal damnation. He's coming again, church, to redeem us in body and in spirit to an earth made new. No more sin, no more sickness, and no more death, no more goodbyes, just always good day. Yes, we all need Jesus in 2021. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for this privilege. We thank you for your word. We believe in your word. We know it's true. Everything that you have said have come true, except that which is yet to be seen. And so, Lord, we just thank you that you're God. We thank you that we know you. And we ask today that you will help us to share your love and share your joy with others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.